on this edition of the Iowa Business Report. We can't stress enough the importance of contacting your legislator, whether you're a general public or a business owner. The Iowa General Assembly gavels back into session Monday, and there will be a different focus on workforce issues. Child care. People want to work, but it's expensive and it's rare. How do we solve that? Problems with housing for workers. Also, a challenge to one city's new ordinance restricting employers. And later in our profile segment, you'll meet a native Californian who moved to Iowa to maximize his business's potential. This is the Iowa Business Report for the second weekend of January 2020. The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. The Iowa Association of Business and Industry has been the voice of Iowa business since 1903. Learn more online at iowaabi.org. Here is Jeff Stein. Lawmakers return to Capitol Hill in Des Moines Monday to enact laws to improve our society. And there's no shortage of voices in their ears with suggestions. But having informed voices provide information on key points is the task of public policy professionals who track legislation and suggest solutions to problems. I talked with Nicole Crane, Executive Vice President of the Iowa Association of Business and Industry, and J.D. Davis, ABI's Vice President of Public Policy, about their work on Capitol Hill. Well, ABI is a statewide organization. We represent businesses in all industries and about 330,000 employees across the state of Iowa. And as you're looking at businesses, you know, the people in those businesses every day are, are running their operations. They need to make sure that um, the plants that they, if they're manufacturing, that the plants that they work in are safe, that those employees are safe. They've got to make sure that they can get their product out the door. They can't be busy worrying about what the legislature is doing day in, day out, watching for those issues and, and alerting members to concerns or also positive pieces of legislation that are being introduced that affect the business community. So then when those uh, members have the opportunity to talk with their legislators when they're back in the district, they can take that opportunity and educate them about this is how this proposal will affect my business, will affect uh, my employees and the, and the people in our community and why they're important. So we really see this uh, as an opportunity to uh, you know, be the eyes and ears for the business community and also to educate legislators about those main issues because we know businesses and, and the people that run those businesses are busy. Uh, they don't have the time to spend all day, every day in Des Moines for 100 plus days every year. What is it that people don't understand about the kind of work that you do? So for example, you have to register as a lobbyist and that's a term that is hypercharged in political debate. It's no different than the conversations that they have with friends and family uh, talking about issues. Really, you're trying to express the viewpoint of the membership. And in the case of uh, the Association of Business and Industry, uh, we're really talking about making the business of business better. Those are things that touch everybody in all walks of life. Everybody brings a paycheck home. Families need to be taken care of that way. So when we're talking about issues at the Capitol, when I'm talking to people that aren't familiar with exactly what the role of lobbying is, I just really try to uh, tell folks that we're really trying to help people solve problems uh, and that we try to put the input of the organization in so that uh, they're represented well uh, and can make and then that policymakers then can make conclusions that will improve the business climate in Iowa. And Nicole, it's not a matter of advocating for business at the expense of employees. 
Correct. If you talk to any employer in the state of Iowa, um, you know, ABI's priority for many years has been workforce. And I think as, as we talk to em employers as we're traveling across the state, whether it's in a large city or a small town, employees are the number one asset. And they really see them as their team members. They work hand in hand together. Um, in a lot of cases, you have employees who have been working for a company for, for decades, and they are like family. Uh, you have, uh, you know, we could spend all day talking about what employers and employees uh, do statewide together. Um, you hear stories all the time about a company that will t send their 25-year uh, employees on a trip or um, an annual Christmas party or holiday party that they have. And um, just, I think that these employers are not just employers. They're not just running a business. They're part of the community. They have a vested interest in the individuals that are part of their organization. They have a vested interest in making sure that the, the schools are high quality, that uh, there's quality of life initiatives for the people that um, are part of their team to, to interact with. And it's not employee versus employer. It really is a joint effort to, to make Iowa better. I mean, that's the goal of everyone, is to make Iowa a better place to live and work. You were one of those spending day, night, long night mm -hmm. on Capitol Hill during the last session. What are some things that Iowans should know that their legislature passed, now new policy in the state, as a result of some of the initiatives that this organization and others advocated? We talked about workforce and how that was an ABI priority, and, and it is again in 2020. But the Future Ready Iowa initiative that the governor, Governor Reynolds, has really talked a lot about, I think is a, a key piece of legislation that will help upskill Iowa's workforce. There's direct dollars to those individuals that are going to community college, or maybe those individuals who have completed part of their education, but not all of it, and they want to go back to college. Um, there are opportunities and dollars available for them. There's also opportunities for employers to work with nonprofit organizations for the Employer Innovation Fund uh, to come up with unique proposals for wraparound services to help upskill employees. So I think that's a, a, a key initiative that we were very supportive of. We are planning to support that again this year, making sure that that appropriation continues. I think Empower Rural Iowa is another initiative last year that was a success of the organization and something that we supported and look forward to the continued conversations on that in 2020. So JD, let's talk about 2020, the legislature gaveling into session in a short period of time. What are you expecting out of this session and what are some things that your team has been working on to be ready to either advocate for or watch to see how it progresses? All about workforce all the time. Uh, there will be efforts again to try to figure out how to attract and retain uh, workers. And that now is getting very granular. Uh, so where we've had big pushes to try to figure out how to do that, now we're finding, okay, uh, in this part of the state, we have experienced a problem with child care. People want to work, but it's expensive and it's rare to get child care. How do we solve that? So there are working groups and conversations ongoing on that. Uh, you have anecdotal evidence and real evidence of problems with uh, housing for workers. And this is not just housing for uh, people that might be joining the second shift line at a manufacturer, but these are also executives that may be drawn to a, uh, a smaller town and can't find a home that they're comfortable living in uh, from where they've relocated from. Uh, that's an exact example that really happened. I know of a, of a person that uh, turned a job down when they couldn't find a home. Uh, so uh, we'll be working on those types of issues. Uh, again, 
legislators very interested in cracking this nut. We're right there with them. We've been trying to lead some of the conversation uh, because our members are telling us they could be more successful if they had more people. It's a wonderful problem to be working on uh, because it's not fighting against uh, a negative, it's trying to make us all more successful. We at ABI also encourage our members all the time is to reach out to their legislator, even if it's on something small, um, to let them know if they support it or if they don't support it. And invite legislators to your place of business. Um, if they don't understand what's happening and how your operation works, I think that's really critical. Um, as JD mentioned, legislators for the most part understand business. They understand the workforce needs, but they might not understand that you make this type of uh, product and what it does and what it means to the community. And I think every chance that uh, a business person or individual has to explain their issues is, is a great opportunity to take. And legislators love to do those visits. Nicole Crane, Executive Vice President, and J.D. Davis, Vice President of Public Policy, both with the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. Now you can hear our full discussion online. It's an IBR Extra. Go to TotallyIowa.com and click on the radio programs link or check your favorite podcast source. Still to come, we'll tell you about a challenge to one city's new ordinance and we'll profile a company which wound up in Iowa thanks to a chance meeting. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. The city of Waterloo is Iowa's sixth largest, boasting a population of more than 67,500. So when a city of that size passes an ordinance affecting how employers evaluate possible employees, it draws attention. By a 4-3 vote last November, the Waterloo City Council passed an ordinance banning questions on job applications about an individual's criminal record. In some areas, this is called a ban-the-box ordinance, but Waterloo officials, including Mayor Quentin Hart, told me he looks at it as a second-chance ordinance. We're just talking about allowing a person to even go through the process. And when you make a conditional offer, then, of course, you're going to do background checks if you do. And then at that point, if you make an adverse decision, at least let them know, hey, give people an opportunity to interview uh, on their merits. Um, so that, that's, that's what it is. But, but, you know, right now you got people that are arrested but not convicted, but it's on their record. You have folks that may have done something 25 years ago but have a master's degree, uh, and based upon the way things are, you can't even... You can't even get into the application process because it's already automatically kicked out. The ordinance itself does not go into effect until July 1st. Immediately after its passage, the council backtracked a bit, setting up a study committee to evaluate possible changes. On January 2nd of this year, the ordinance was challenged in Blackhawk County District Court. The Iowa Association of Business and Industry filed a petition for injunctive relief blocking the ordinance from going into effect. A 2017 state law banned cities and counties from passing certain business-related ordinances. It was in response to some cities and counties wanting to raise the minimum wage, but the contention is it would apply to ban-the-box efforts as well. 
Waterloo officials were advised that any such ordinance would be challenged in court, especially since the ordinance would prohibit interview questions about an applicant's criminal history. The issue led to a contentious debate among council members. As of this weekend, the city had not yet filed its response to the lawsuit in court. Up next, learn about a company that moved to Iowa because the growth potential was greater here. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry, helping develop the next generation of business leaders through Leadership Iowa, Business Horizons, and Leadership Iowa University. To learn more, go to iowaabi.org. In this week's profile segment, the story of a company that was started 45 years ago this year by a California college student. Bob Worson had done electronic assembly work for some companies and decided to start his own business as a way to pay for his last years of school. He called it Panel Components Corporation back then in 1975. We know it today as Interpower Corporation. During its first decade, the company expanded, moving from Berkeley to Santa Rosa, California. Then growth was stifled. Bob Worson explains. There have been some uh, downturns. Uh, the electronics industry defied gravity from 1945 until uh, really about 40 years. I mean, it grew at a compound annual rate of about 16%, which is unbelievable. You could make lots of mistakes and uh, stay in business uh, in an environment like that. One of the big tipping points that I remember vividly was 1985 when the industry downshifted and uh, it had done it before and it did, it's done it since, but that's the one I really remember. And uh, that year we lost our four largest customers. They were Hewlett Packard and Digital Equipment Corporation. That's a name that's disappeared. A third company that we lost was Texas Instruments that went through a lot of its own pain at that time and got out of a business that we were supplying components for. And the fourth one was Data General that just rolled over and died. And collectively, they represented 44% of our business. And they were gone within a matter of months. And uh, that helped me recognize the problem associated with having too many eggs in one basket. So the new strategy after that was we are going to go after a larger number of smaller accounts and we developed a, almost a marketing machine basically to help us accomplish that. So by uh, the beginning of the year 2000, uh, we had about 5,500 active customers for a small company. That's pretty remarkable. The history of Worsen's company is full of examples of adapting to a changing business climate. It's been that way from the start. Technology that changed about the time that I adopted the name because most of what I thought we were going to be selling were devices that mounted on the panel of an electronic device. And today electronic devices uh, have LCD screens and uh, and other ways of inputting information or outputting it. And that, that all changed uh, right at that time. I, I didn't see it coming. Somebody else did see it and told me, you're making a mistake. This is a bad name. And I didn't ignore it, but I didn't 
do anything about it for a while. And then rather than solving the whole problem and changing the company's name, I developed Interpower as a trade name, and we started using that uh, by about 1980. Then when we moved from California to Iowa, it was time to change the state of incorporation, and at the same time, we just changed the name. So how does a California native pick up and move his company 1,800 miles to Mahaska County, Iowa? I really was having a hard time satisfying my customers by buying devices in Europe and reselling them in the United States and Canada. I felt if we could design make our own products, we'd be a lot more successful. But that's a big step. That's a very big step. And you've got a facilities issue now. You've got to have facilities that are really consistent with the kind of manufacturing that's involved in making power cords and cord sets and electrical connectors and things like that. I felt that what I needed was more efficient manufacturing, and I started looking, wasn't finding anything that looked like it would work. All of a sudden, it hit me. The problem wasn't Santa Rosa. It was California, and uh, I really needed to think bigger. I settled on Iowa, and uh, the reason for being in Oskaloosa was a chance meeting with the then chamber executive in uh, the Oskaloosa chamber exec at uh, the National Plastics Exhibition in in, uh, Chicago in 1991. And uh, that exhibition is very large, and if you want to see it all in, let's say, two days of walking. Um, And at that point, that was my mindset. I was trying to learn all about plastics because I was going to be using plastics in manufacturing, and I had a lot to learn. And um, so you really got to plan every minute of your time. And I looked at my watch and realized I was running half hour to 45 minutes ahead of my predetermined schedule. And so uh, I saw a sign that said, Iowa, the time is right. I said, oh, I've got enough time. I'll give him five minutes to tell me why the time's right. And I walked up there, and 90 minutes later, I walked away with an armload of literature, and, which I almost never pick up any place. You've got to carry it, after all. And secondly, with the awareness that I could reinvent my company with a move to Iowa, I might add that our customers never even knew we moved. We told them we were going to move, but they didn't realize that we'd moved. And uh, three months later, two, three months after we'd finished the move, I started getting calls complaining that you're going to mess the company up and it's going to be a disaster if you move it. It's never been better and these things like that. And I I, I, well are you late on shipments or is there, no, no, we're telling you, everything's perfect and you're going to mess it up by moving. I said, well, we moved two months ago. What is it that has allowed you to do what you have done in the past 20, 25 years that maybe you couldn't have done if you had either stayed where you were or relocated somewhere else? I think the economic um, answer to that question is that the kind of manufacturing that we're doing is very difficult to do in California. It involves moving a lot of material. Um, It involves dedicated facilities that are very expensive to build in California and to site. And uh, and then if you've read about housing costs, uh, I just read and was really surprised. uh, Housing for a A single person in Santa Rosa is about $1,500 a month now. How do you hire people that 
can go to work assembling power cords and cord sets and have a price that, uh, that's low enough that people will buy the product. It's very difficult to do that. And by being uh, located in the center of America, we were closer to many suppliers, not to all, but to, to many of them. And we were uh, in a purpose-built building, a building that was built specifically for manufacturing. Uh, it was roughly the same size originally as the building in Santa Rosa, but it was organized differently. Uh, I think there's another thing, too, about the workforce. Uh, Northern California especially, and especially Santa Rosa, has what I call a surf-sub mentality. It seemed like um, Fridays and Mondays were really hard days to be fully staffed. Let's put it that way. And I found people uh, here in Iowa, it's just not black and white difference, but uh, you know, just shades of difference are much more likely to feel a sense of responsibility to their employer. And uh, that um, has allowed us to be, I think, fairly successful. And more important, one of the things we want to do here is not only to satisfy the customer, as the customer expects to be satisfied, but we want to delight the customer with outstanding service. And uh, we're able to do that fairly consistently. But it takes people who really want to make the effort. From a home base in Oskaloosa since 1993, Interpower manufactures power cords used on electrical appliances. No small feat, since different standards around the world mean as many as 15 different types of power cords needed. There's a customer service office now in Ames, a manufacturing facility in Lamoni, and a European subsidiary in the United Kingdom. And all that growth came from a chance meeting at a trade show. Learn more about Bob Worson's company online at interpower.com. And that brings us to the close of this edition of the Iowa Business Report. Next week, a veteran financial journalist will give us his forecast for 2020. We'll tell you how lawmakers often spend their evenings in Des Moines. And you'll hear about a company that was founded because the product inventor wasn't satisfied with what was already available in the marketplace. That's next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry, sponsors of the Taking Care of Business Conference in Cedar Rapids in June. Follow ABI on Twitter at IowaABI and online at iowaabi.org.